we've not had the chance to connect. My name is Kurt, and I serve as lead pastor here at the Vineyard, and I was actually thinking about it. Uh, 15 years I've been on staff here, uh, not all of those as lead pastor, but I was just thinking about what an incredible joy it's been to call this place home for 15 years and to be dreaming about the next 15 for us as a church family. And that's actually what this morning is kind of about. We're in week two of a message series uh, that we titled, We Are Family. And I said this last week, I actually have a master's in marriage and family therapy and spent some time working as a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I uh, know enough about life that your own family experience might not want you to believe that family is good or a good image um, for things. Now, your own family that you were raised in, um, born into, adopted into, loved into, might be a perfect example. And the church, not so much. So this is sort of like some interesting water to be treading in, because I actually believe that Scripture calls us into the family of God, calls us into the story of God. And so we're kind of sharing our heart as a local church family of what that looks like. Last week, we talked about connecting to community. That in this journey of following Jesus, in this journey of learning the, the reality that God loves you and he's pursuing you and he doesn't want to just let you do your own thing, but he's actually inviting you into a way of living and flourishing where you learn to hear God's voice and obey the scriptures and walk with others, we believe that that journey does not leave you to an individualistic way of living, but it calls you into community which these days can feel super risky. But it happens to be the way of Jesus. It happens to be the way that God and his kingdom are working, that you're invited to a journey of faith that calls you to love God with all that you are and to love others. Therefore, it involves other people. So we're a family who connect to community. Additionally, in that, it doesn't sort of like... Here's, here's it plain and simple. What God desires for the church in regards to relationship and community cannot be done in our own strength. Because the heart of God is unity. Unity, unity, unity. And the only way we can experience is that when we begin to step into the story of God and God himself fills our lives and does the work that we see in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the community of God filling our lives, we join in that way of living, we join in that story, and we begin to express it. And what we've been in is John 17, and we're looking at the prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross, and so that's where we're going to be again this morning. So we want to connect to community, and we want to unapologetically, just so you know, here at the Vineyard, unapologetically, we connect to Jesus. That is why we exist. That is our ultimate Hope, our ultimate motive, our ultimate desire is that you and I and our city and the nations would find life in Jesus. In Jesus. My friend Jay uh, and Dave wrote a book called The Art of Neighboring, and they talk about the difference between an ulterior motive and an ultimate motive. Jesus is our ultimate motive. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and everything we do here as a local church family, we want to connect to Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. We want Jesus to be Lord over everything, and I will tell you right now, 
That means Jesus, by the work of the Spirit, will disrupt your life. <laughs> Good news. All right. Who loves their lives being disrupted? Come on. Yeah? No? Not so much? Jesus wants to change everything, and that is great news, because what it means is Jesus says, I want to bring my rule and reign, my authority into your life so that you can be free, so that you can know your creator, so that you can join in my story of seeing all creation redeemed, and it can start with you, and it can kind of sow into your relationships and maybe the people you live with, a roommate, a friend, a family member, a kid that you would connect to Jesus, and not just connect to Jesus in a wonderful hour and 20-minute service. You'd connect to Jesus all day, every day. You'd connect to Jesus in the boardroom. You'd connect to Jesus on the field. You'd connect to Jesus at the color factory of all places. <laughs> that you would live your life connected to Jesus. We want to belong in community, and we want to believe together. We want to believe together. And what we know is this is going to require commitment. Commitment. We talked about this last week. It was a real comfortable word about living in a culture that's really more oriented towards consumerism, that we're sort of being shaped and discipled to consume all the things we like. And yet Jesus is saying, commit to me. Commit your life to me. I'm going to commit my life to you. Would you consider committing your life to me, to walk in relationship with me? And so today, we're going to look at this whole thing about knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus. And if you're sitting here today and you go, hey, I already know Jesus, can we have like a 35-minute coffee break? Maybe Jesus has more for you. And if you're here going, I, I know Jesus, I want you to begin to think about the people in your life that God wants to display his love through you towards. And if you're here today exploring faith, I could not be more thrilled because that's an answer to prayer. It's an answer to prayer that you are here. And it's what we're going to see in the scriptures. I'm just going to tell you right now, this is the spoiler alert in the scriptures today. You are loved. You are loved by the creator God. And we're going to see it so plainly in the scriptures that it should be the thing that fills us and fuels us for everything we do. So if you'll open to John 17 with me, if you will join me in the scriptures, we think this is really good. If you uh, don't have a Bible and you happen to have a smartphone, you can download the YouVersion Bible app. It's free. Uh, it's something I try to use every day. Um, also, they still print Bibles. I got one this year, and I'm trying it out. It's good. It's been real sweet. So as I said last week, John 17, we're going to see and hear the heart of God and the words of Jesus as he's praying. And it's sort of this culminating moment that followed John 13, 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus has been teaching. And he's saying things like this, a new command I give you, love one another. Pretty cool. Easy enough. He talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that we don't have to do life by our own strength, but the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is going to be poured out on the church, and that's how we live today. About being the vine and the branches and being connected to, to Jesus and understanding how deeply that needs to work. And so then we get to John 17, and it says this, starting in verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. 
Now this is eternal life, that they know you, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus at the beginning, Jesus in the flesh, Jesus on the cross, Jesus in the tomb, Jesus resurrected, praying for us now, coming again. Jesus through the entire storyline. I revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given comes from you. Everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty. Think about that for just a minute. Doesn't that feel so countercultural? They knew with certainty. Hey, guys, hold on just one second. Hold on one second. Just hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They knew with certainty. Do you ever feel like certainty is something escaping us right now? The word Jesus became flesh. The word God revealed in Jesus. He said, I gave them your word. And they knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. They are yours. Verse 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. Is that where you're at this morning? Could you use a little more joy in your cup? This is the heart of God for you. This is the, the heart of Jesus praying for you. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. In this life, there is opposition. In this story of God working redemption and working to make all things new is because there is a kingdom collision. And Jesus says, I pray you'll be protected from the evil one. I recognize the opposition you face. I recognize that this is a spiritual battle and there is a spiritual opposition and there is a force working destruction and death. And I stand up and I stand against that on your behalf. Let that sink in for a second in our Western minds. Jesus understands the greatest threat to your life. And he prays for you against that. In verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And I love the way this part of the prayer kind of captures it. In verse 19, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus 
is entering fully into the story, and he's saying, I am going to give everything for you. Are you having doubts about your worth this morning? Are you having questions about how you're going to pull this off, how you're going to make it work? Jesus is paving the way, and he says, I am going to sanctify myself. I am going to lay my life down. I'm going to enter my life fully into the hands of the Father in obedience that you might follow me. So here's the really good news of this prayer. Verse 20, it says this. My prayer is not for them alone, not for the early church alone, not for my first disciples alone. My prayer is also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. All of them may be good. You're with me. That coffee break worked. Father, just as you are in me, I am in you. May they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you hear the relational connection? Do you see that? I am in you, and you are in me, and we are in the Father, so that the world might be enveloped into this story of love and relationship and family. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Complete unity. This is the heart of God for the church. This is his desire for us as a local expression of the body of Christ, the family of God, a global family that we would be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. I want us to read this slide out loud together. And if you are online, wherever you are, give voice to this. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The Father has loved the Son. In the most beautiful, perfect love there ever was, you were invited to the exact same love. The exact same. So when we put this on a shirt, it's not some cultural moment. It is not some kind of easy way of living. It is the heart of God for all people revealed in Jesus. The truest thing we can know about ourselves is that we are being invited into this story. Then the world will know that you, Heavenly Father, sent me, Jesus, and have loved them, the humans, even as you have loved me, your son. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. That is the love you're being invited to know. That is the source of life you're being invited to know. That is the way of connecting to Jesus as a local church and as a family to say, this is true. This is true. 
Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Maybe we should just let this be our prayer life for the next 30 days and see what it does to us. Just read the prayer of Jesus every day for 30 days. Hear God's heart for you. Hear God's heart for the world because at this moment and in this time, I believe we need a clearer vision of the way of Jesus for our own lives and for the lives of the people that are around us. Because we need to see the world the way God sees the world. We need to see the world through the heart of God. And I believe this, Jesus is the good news we need to receive. Jesus is the good news that we need to receive. I think verses 1 through 19 keep pointing us to Jesus. You have revealed me to them, and you have sent me to them, and you have loved them the way you've loved me. I sanctify myself so that they may be sanctified. This is the work of God and the heart of God that we might understand. Jesus is the good news that we all need. His heart for you is love. His work in you is a transforming, sanctifying work. Uncomfortable? Sure. Do you give up being the boss? Yep. Did you create it all? Nope. I mean, I'm assuming so. That's, I, just, I just tipped my hand. I don't think you're the creator God. I'm really sorry. I don't think it was you. None of you look old enough for that. You all look too young. We get, to, we get to join in the story of God from creation to his return. This is the good news we all need, a way forward through every day. The heart of God, the work of God, the life of God coming into us coming into us and taking up residence in us up close and personal. Individualistic? No. Deeply personal? Yes. Augustine says it this way, you have made us for yourself. God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they rest in you. They are restless until they rest in you. We need to know who made us and for what purpose, and that will always bring us back to relationship with God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as Jesus is teaching in 13, 14, 15, and 16, the chapters of John, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The thing that's really powerful here is I'm not asking you to become super religious. And what I mean by that is that if you would just live right and get your act together, then God would love you because the scriptures tell a different story. The scriptures say God loves us before we love him. God loves us before we live rightly for him. God is tipping his hand and he's saying, I love you first. And his heart is towards those who will believe. He is praying for all the people who are not yet believing. He's already saying, I love you before you believe. This is an interesting thing. So when you, there are still some in the lobby, you can still wear your shirt, but when you walk around and you say, you are loved by God, 
It has nothing to do with if they're acting right, if they love Jesus or not, how they have their stuff together or don't. Did they tithe last Sunday or not? It's like, oh, I don't think I like that joke. (laughs) What it means is we need to understand who God is and the way God sees us is I have loved you the way I loved the Son since the beginning of creation. This is where we cheer, for, for the record. Like, we just scored a touchdown. Like, get practiced for the football season. It's coming at you. I know preseason stinks. Like, nobody watches preseason unless you get tickets to the arena. You have tickets to the arena right now. You should be cheering. Like, yay, Jesus. It's okay to be expressive. You're like, I don't know if I like that either. You're trying to manipulate the room right now. You're trying to make us do things we don't want to do. I told you I was a trained therapist. I'm sorry. Guys, I want this to take up residence in our hearts and our minds. God loved you first. God loves you now. This is good news. Here's what's beautiful in this. God's heart is towards those who will believe before they believe. The kingdom of God has a commitment to loving the lost, to loving the sinner, to loving the outcast, to loving the marginalized, to loving the ones that we in our humanity go, nope, not you. And when the church gets unified around the heart of God for the people that God loves, It's a pretty compelling witness. See, we're not just trying to convert people that we don't like. We're not trying to to win people out of our own ideologies. We are joining in the heart of God and the story of God because we believe connecting to Jesus is life. Jesus says this of himself in John 10. He says, the thief, the evil one that he's praying our protection from, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. This is why we connect with Jesus. In John 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. When we're connected to Jesus, we have life. We connect to Jesus because there is life in Jesus. He is the creator God, and he speaks life, and he breathes life into places, and it's resurrection life. So whatever is dead has a better story because he can breathe life into it. And apart from Jesus, I am dead, and yet I'm loved. And his heart is that I would live, and so he's praying for all those who are still yet to believe because he loves them. We don't just want to commit to the in crowd. We're committing to all those that God loves. And verses 20 through 23 are really clear. God's heart is towards those who will believe through our message. How's our message doing? You're like, I don't know. I don't tell anybody about Jesus. (laughs) How's our message doing? If, if, if you, okay, let me just be really personal here for a second. My life outside of Jesus 
means someone else is God, king, or the utmost authority. Happens to be me. I'm selfish. I want things my way. I want things to be kind of tailored and catered to me. That means everyone now around me is there to serve who? Me. It's not great for my wife. It's not great for my kids. It's actually not good for you. I need Jesus. I do. My life is being forever changed by Jesus, and it is the hope that is capturing me. It is the hope that I see for the world. It is the hope that I see for my work. It is the hope that I see for my relationships and my family and my friendships, that my life would be changed. And it would be changed by love that sanctifies and redeems and calls me into something better. And that's my heart for you, that you would find good news in Jesus, that you'd begin to see there's freedom in Jesus. And from all the things you've been looking for to fill you, you would realize the creator God wants to fill you with his presence, the Holy Spirit. And it is the gift to all who will believe. To all who will believe. Jesus is clear. His heart is for those that are not yet here. And if we are a family, when we love other people, we are just loving our family before they know their family. We are a family. And when we connect with Jesus, we begin to love the people around us, and we just begin to love them as family on their way to becoming family. That's what Jesus did for me on the cross. His love for me loved me into his family before I was family. I'm going to jump forward a little bit because I want to get to two really clear things. The biggest barriers to effective evangelism, and evangelism might be a word you don't like or it might be a very churchy word. The biggest barriers to people who are far from God moving closer to God, okay? The biggest barriers for people who are far from God moving closer to God, according to the prayer of Jesus, are not so much outdated methods or inadequate presentations of the gospel, but it's realities like gossip insensitivity, negative criticism, jealousy, backbiting, an unforgiving spirit, a root of bitterness, failure to appreciate others, self-preoccupation, greed, selfishness, and every other form of lovelessness, according to Bruce Mill. When we connect to Jesus, we want to give Jesus authority to change our lives so that when the church is united in Jesus and being transformed by Jesus, we begin to share that life with other people. And complete unity and a full measure of joy in the love of Jesus will become the most compelling witness to a world searching with restless hearts. So will I be so individualistic in my faith that I go, I got my personal relationship with Jesus, good luck. Or will I let the love of God take over my soul and my life that I begin to look at people and go, God's crazy about you. God loves you. God cares about you. God's interested in the things you're dealing with. God wants rest to come to your soul. Did you know that God's greatest desire for you is peace? And he wants to give it to you? 
Do you know God cares about what you're experiencing in your life, those broken places, those insecure places? God wants to move close to you and let the creation story go to work in your heart and your mind. Because the thing is this, when I read John 17 and I think about us being family and connecting to Jesus, I want you to know that you are loved. Not in a, don't dismiss it. Not like in a dismissive way. Like in this moment, I want you to think about how much does that truth anchor your life? That you are loved by God. That you're loved by God. And I think for some of us, here's what we need to know. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that eternity breaks in. Because in this prayer, Jesus says, this is eternal life. That you know the only true God in Jesus Christ who he sent. That you know that you know. So do you know him? Do you know Jesus in a way that you walk with Jesus in relationship day in and day out? Do you know that he's crazy about you and he's loving you right now, wherever you're at? And you don't become more lovable as you become more put together. You become more capable of reciprocating love because you watch the work of God in your life. And you receive it as a gift, and you go, God, you love me so much. Look at what you're up to. Look at the way you're creating and recreating me because you're the creator. Is that your story? Is that what you're going to wake up on Monday morning thinking about? Is that the thing that's going to fuel you in that moment of stress and pressure because the love of God, it's working its way so deeply into you that it it just starts to move? And you go, you know what? I am loved. And not only am I loved, but you're loved. So here are two people loved by God in a, in a conversation right now. How does that work? And you might go like, this is like church basics. This is like what they should be teaching back there in the kids' wing. Exactly. Because Jesus said, let all the kids come to me, and that you have to have childlike faith to enter into the kingdom of God. So we don't want to elevate our educational prowess above this. We never move past this. It is the anchor and the foundation. It is the source. It is who we are and what we need to be day in and day out. You are loved. And here's what I love about this prayer. God chose you first. I was an athlete, was an athlete. And, you know, you always, like, like felt some kind of proud moment when you got picked first when they were playing pickup games on the court or soccer or whatever it was. I loved being picked first. You've been picked first. You. You were picked first before the creation of the world in Christ Jesus. God chose you and loves you. Deal with it. (laughs) How do you deal with that news? It's good news. It's the kind of news that changes your forever. And so my question to us today is, will you choose to know and love him? God has chosen you. If you, don't, if you don't agree with me, just start working your way through this. It is, it is from front to back a full story of God's love where he pursues humanity. This is the, this is the Bible. It is a full story from, from start, and even the Old Testament is full of the unfailing love of God. It's there, I promise. Will you choose to know and love him? So here's my simple illustration. Because I don't presume that everybody here has like grown up in church your whole life like me. I've grown up, I literally grew up in church my whole life. 
My faith story began as a five-year-old in my family's dining room. It grew as a 10-year-old when I was baptized and a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old when I was working through like high school stuff and talking to leaders at my church about what that was like and when I preached for the first time in a church as like a 17, 18-year-old. And through college, as a college athlete, finding Jesus and being a part of what God was doing at the campus of University of Texas San Antonio, go Roadrunners. Some of you are like, who are the Roadrunners? It's the University of Texas San Antonio. Every season and every stage, God wants to come alive in you in a greater way. So here's a simple illustration of how I think this works for us today. The difference between I believe becoming I know. This is eternal life, that you know the one true God. In our culture, it's really normative to say, I believe in Jesus. Here's how I think that works for for us sometimes. I believe in the moon. Raise your hand if you believe in the moon. Okay? I believe in the moon. Do I always think about the moon? No. Can I look up and see the moon if I choose to look up and see the moon? Yes. The moon is always at great distance from me, and the moon is not transforming the way I live my life. That, I think, is how we often can relate to Jesus. I believe in Jesus at a distance. When I choose to look up, I can see Jesus. I can live most of my days disregarding Jesus. And Jesus is not close and personal. The moon is not close and personal and known by me. I actually know zero facts about the moon. The moon and I have never had a conversation. But I do believe that Jesus, the creator God, hung the moon and the stars and the sun, which if I ever got very close to, it would just incinerate me, you know. Do you know the creator God? Do you know God in a way that when you wake up tomorrow and you're not at a worship service, that you know the Lord wants to be near to you and to love you? For some of us today, we need to move from I believe to I long to know. That's your next step in your faith journey, to connect to Jesus day in and day out, moment in and moment out, life transformation, commitment, connection. For some of you, today is that day. Wherever you've been in your faith journey, you've been making your way, and you would go, at one point, I was really far from God. And you've been journeying, and you've been getting closer and closer and closer. Today is the day to know God, to know that God wants to walk with you in relationship. And if you're here today and you go, I've locked and loaded that. I know Jesus is not the moon, Kurt. I got that figured out. I know Jesus. I know the scriptures, I pray. Here's my challenge to us as a church. Share Jesus. Share Jesus. We want to be a community that shares the life of Jesus with those around us. When we leave this place, share Jesus. And here's how it is. Pointing people to the way of Jesus and how Jesus is present in your own life today. Here's what Jesus is doing in me, and I just wanted you to know about it. That's how you share Jesus. Practice with some friends at church. There are some guys that I've talked to. We just, we read scripture. We talk about what Jesus is doing in our life. And it's a way to practice so that then when you're talking to someone who doesn't know Jesus, you just tell your life story. Here's what Jesus means to me. Here's what Jesus is doing in my life. I just wanted to share with you. Share Jesus. 
We want to be committed to sharing Jesus. If Jesus is the hope of the world, then the local church needs to be the hope of the world by sharing Jesus. You're like, I don't know if I like this. I thought that was my job. But that's, that is your job. That's your job. That's the way we live. If Jesus is taking up residence, share Jesus. Here's the next one. We're for the next generation. Statistically speaking, kids and teens, you want a meaningful encounter with the living God before the age of 18. We want to be a place that people get that. And if we are a family, that means from generation to generation, we will love our family early and often, and we will become all sorts of spiritual friends and moms and dads and aunts and uncles, and we will put kids in the love of God by the way we love them. We will put students in the love of God by the way we love them, by spending time with them, by showing up to the things that are important to them. We will have the largest kids and student ministry team because we will say as a family we are committed to the next generation. How many of you got a handout passed out to you? That is our plan. This is our plan. This is what we're doing. The only way it happens is if we as a family say we are in on this. The only way kids' ministry happens is because people sacrifice their time in here to be there. We want to be a place that kids and students come alive in Jesus, and when they go to college, they're leading campus ministries, and they're planting churches, and they're leading businesses that have ethics and integrity, and they are bringing the kingdom of God here and now by feeding the poor, the hungry, praying for the sick. And we just have to live with active faith. How many of you are tired of seeing uh, figures of faith crash and burn and be headline news for like not good stuff? I like it just breaks my heart every time. So let's let's activate a different way of living. Connect to community. Do not do this alone. That's how you crash and burn. When you live hidden, it will get you. It will get you. It will get me. So walk with others. And when you live by your own strength and power, you will get tired. And you will try to cope with this life in not very healthy ways. That's why you can get a degree in marriage and family therapy and why you can, like, there are all these things. Like, we are all longing for health, and it is found in the way of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And we should leverage every resource we have, which is community and people walking with us and having healthy conversations so we don't live hidden. And we say, Jesus, step into my story. Jesus, step into my story. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand together as a community. You can step into the story of Jesus here in this local church by using the invite cards to welcome your friends. Small groups are going to roll out in like the next week or two. Sign up for a small group. That's what happens in, the low, in our church outside of this Sunday worship service. You can join a serve team, kids ministry, student ministry. It's all there on the paper. How many people we're looking for, what we need. Next Sunday, we're doing an equip night, how to love your neighbors. Remember, I jokingly said, if you have a neighbor that doesn't love you very well, invite them to the equip night. We have to prioritize Jesus in our life, or we will just get the little bit that we make available, and he wants to give us everything. So here's my big, bold ask. If you are here today and you have never made a full commitment to knowing Jesus and saying, Jesus, you have given your whole life to me. Today is the day I give everything back to you. In just a minute, I'm going to ask if that's you to come down and we're going to celebrate with you.
Scriptures say all of heaven rejoices over every single one that comes home. Those who are far from God finding their way back to God, heaven rejoices. It is not a shameful walk. It is a walk of freedom and hope and celebration. And we will join with you this morning and pray and just, it'll be amazing. And if you have any other need in your life, I'm going to ask you to come get prayer. When we walk in humility and we say, God, I need you to move, I need you to work, you are building the story of God in your life. And that's the story that we share with those around us. So I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over us. And I want you to know that this is a place that you can connect to Jesus. Because we believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he has come, and he is coming again to make all things new. My encouragement to us is we say, let it start right here. Let it start with us. So Jesus, we bless your people that you love. Oh, God loves you so much. He's crazy about you. And he wants to do good things in you and through you. And so we ask today, Jesus, would you give us a vision for what it looks like to follow you? Would you capture us with a a passion for transformation and for those who are hurting and those who are on the fringes? Would we understand as a local church how to love others the way you do? Because we've allowed that love to come and take over and dwell in us and work through us. And so today I bless this church to know they are loved. To know that you long to walk with them in relationship. And so we ask, make all things new and let it start right here, up close and personal. Not like the moon at great distance, but like you here, walking and dwelling with us. We need you, Jesus. We want you to be at the center of everything we do. So we bless your church in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.